Hello, and welcome to Relational Parents, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up to parent as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Today, I'm really excited to talk to you about sibling fighting and sibling rivalry. It is always a hot topic when I'm talking to parents, and so we're going to start it. It's our first discussion about it, and I know it won't be our last. The first thing I want to start with is a story, a personal story of mine from when I was very young. It's an extreme story. And I'm going to put it out there so that we can come back to it. I'm not putting it out there as a bright, shining example of uh, of siblings, that's for sure. And you'll see that you'll see that as it unfolds. I am one of two siblings. I have a younger sister. She's amazing. She's two about two years younger than I am. And between the ages of at least, four and nine, when I was four and when I was nine, I was extremely bossy and dominating of my sister. And it didn't really end, but it took on different flavors uh, later on. But where where we're going to focus, the story happens when I was about seven. And my sister and I were playing and we got into uh, comparison and competition. And I started asserting my dominance and, and specifically one of the things we were playing with was one of those, um, it was, it wasn't really a horse. It was more like a pole with a horse's head on it. Only ours actually didn't have a horse's head on it. It had an elephant's head on it (laughs) and we were playing with it. And whatever my sister was doing, I told her she needed to stop and she wasn't stopping. And I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to hit you with this. And she didn't stop. And I hit her with it. And I hit her so hard. And I don't remember hitting her this hard, but I do remember that that pole broke. And those things, you know, it wasn't like a little stick. It, it was a, It was a pole and it broke and it broke over her head. So this is a a pretty extreme example. We're going to come back to it because I know there was volume involved. I know obviously there was violence involved and we'll come back to this um, probably through multiple podcasts and multiple discussions. Um, We're going to leave it for a second though, as extreme as it is. And we're going to go to a, a concept in positive discipline and in many other um, philosophies of parenting, the, the concept is that all behavior has a purpose. Whether we're conscious of the purpose or unconscious of it, and it's running in the background, all behavior does have a purpose. Now, usually with young children, they're not plotting and scheming. It's unconscious. It's running unconscious. And 
when your kids are having repetitive fights that you are finding yourself involved in as a parent, you are being called in either by name, mommy, mommy, come quick, or by volume. It's just getting so loud that you as the dad can't take it anymore. You can't get done what you're get you want to get done or as the mother is just pulling too hard at your heartstrings or you, you know, can't focus on what you need to focus on. So you're being called in in the moment of the fight either by name or by volume. And the thing is When fights, sibling fights are repetitive, people are getting their needs met. Let that sink in for just a second. People are getting their needs met. The kids and you. Let's just take a look at the kids first. Are they getting your attention? Yes, they are. If you're being called in, they are getting your attention. Are they getting their roles defined and reinforced? Well, if you are taking sides and you are becoming the arbiter and who did this and who did that and what happened and really trying to decompose it so that you can hand out fairness and punish who needs to be punished, and declare who doesn't need to be punished, you are defining their roles for them. You are reinforcing their roles for them. Who's the good one? Who's the bad one? Who always gets picked on? Who's always doing the picking on? And if you find yourself saying things like, why do you always? Why can't you? Why don't you? These kinds of things. Then you are playing in to your children's needs and you're meeting their needs. Now, for us, when we do get involved, what needs of ours might be getting met? There are lots and lots of different flavors of this. And this is an area where we do some deep work. We're not doing deep work on a podcast though, so I'm I'm going to ask you a few questions. Are you acting as the authority? Are you acting as the peacemaker? Do you know, and I'm doing air quotes, do you know what happened? Or maybe It's a low moment and you've already been frustrated even before this fight erupted. Maybe you're so triggered that you're literally yelling at your kids or begging them for peace and silence so you can do what it is that you need to get done. So in that case, you're not meeting out uh, punishments and rewards or authority or anything, but you are really sending the kids the message that they have the power, right? That you are the victim of 
the noise and they have the power. That's a, that's also meeting your kids' needs. More often than not, though, when I talk to parents, they are really sure that they know what happened. They are doing some form of taking sides. And there's something really important that happens when you take sides with your kids. It's an unintended consequence of taking sides. When you take sides, when your kids are fighting, you are literally promoting sibling rivalry. Because when you take sides, you declare who wins and who loses. Do you think that that's the end of it? Or do you think that the loser may consciously or even unconsciously try to get even with the victor, the one who won. So I want to go back to my story that I shared with you. I literally cracked my sister over the head with a pole and it broke. She was five. I was seven. I am not proud of this. I am telling you this story for many reasons. One, I am so not perfect. (laughs) Two, really more to the point of what we're talking about here. What I remember as an adult and what I'm sure really, really impacted me as that seven-year-old girl is that my parents did not take my sister's side against me. Yes, one of them or I can't one of them went to the hospital with her. They took her to the emergency room to make sure if she had a concussion that she got the proper care. The other one stayed with me, but I know that they did not take sides. I was not shamed for it. I was not made out to be the bad one, the terrible one. And this was not the first time or the last time that I would try to dominate my sister. It is the most extreme time. And it is the only time that, um, that my sister had to go to the hospital as a result of, uh, of physical violence that, uh, that I was the, um, the, the giver of, but my parents did not take sides. Instead, they took the action that needed to be taken and we were the better for it. Our relationship was actually the better for it. Now I'm going to give you a tool. The tool would not have worked in this extreme situation, but the tool will work in most other situations. The tool will work when volume is getting loud. The tool will work when one of your kids calls you in. The tool is a positive discipline tool called put them in the same boat and What it does is it prevents us from taking sides. It prevents us from promoting that sibling rivalry. 
it looks like something like this. Hey, kids, I hear the volume's getting a little loud. Would you like to take a break in separate rooms? Or can you find a solution right now? And let the kids decide. Now, Jane Nelson, the the creator of Positive Discipline, actually in one of her books offers a wonderful, wonderful clarification on this because I have been asked, well, Teresa, you know, one of my kids is literally eight months old. I know she's not doing anything. She's not to blame. I know it's my three-year-old. So I don't think that put them in the same boat can work for me. And what Jane says is it actually can When you put them in the same boat with either separation or, hey, we're we're actually going to have snack time together right now or whatever it is. But when you put them in the same boat, what it does is it sends a message to that older child that they're not getting blamed for everything. You are not labeling them. You are not finding fault with them. And it sends a message, an early message to that younger child that there's not a lot to be gained in this household by being a victim. You're not going to get massive attention. You're not going to get a power hit by being a victim because that's not something that we are, uh, are playing into around here. One of the things I love about put them in the same boat is that it's very flexible. Put them in the same boat can look like me taking a break and deciding, hey, I'm going to I'm going to let this play out a little bit. I'm going to let them figure out how to work with each other and I'm going to literally go upstairs and spend 2 minutes in the bathroom. Or it could look like Hey guys, I I see you're you know you're getting a little rammy and uh, it's a little too much in the house. Go on outside. You can roll and tumble and and wrestle around outside where there's more space. Or it could literally be me stepping in and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm laying this down. Th- this is enough." And Both of you are going to spend the next 10 minutes in your rooms. You can play music, you can read, you can, you know, punch your pillow, but we're going to separate and and cool off for a little while. It's There's a lot of flexibility there according to, um, you know, your, it could be your family culture, could be the level of escalation of the, um, the, the fight or what's going on, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of flexibility there. One thing that I do love, and I'll just give this as an example before we wrap up is my boys, um, used to use the opportunity when they were sitting next to each other in the back seat to get really physical when I would be driving them around, whether that was to school or to the grocery store or whatever, when they were younger and I heard about this tool and heard the example of pulling off to the side of the road 
and reaching under my seat for the magazine I had put there and just reading the magazine until they were done with their squabble and their yelling or whatever they were doing back there. It didn't take very long um, at the side of the road before they were like, what is going on? And I would say something simple like, when you guys are ready, then I will continue to drive. And they would, they would stop. And sometimes they would play on, um, I don't know whether it was conscious or unconscious, but they would fall back into it. And I was a, a mom who was typically, you know, getting from here to there in an expeditious fashion. They knew that I didn't leave a lot of extra time. We were usually in somewhat of a hurry. So it would happen again. And I would sacrifice being on time. I would sacrifice being efficient for pulling over. And it really did not take long before that kind of thing, that that kind of thing stopped. So that's another form in case it serves you of putting them in the same boat when, uh, when there's fighting that happens in the car, when typically it looks like uh, mom or dad is held hostage because they're driving and there's nothing they can do. That's not true. Um, there's always something that uh, that you can do. So I look forward to any questions that you have about this episode. If you're not already a part of our Facebook group and you want to ask a question, you can send me anything at support at relationalparents.org or you can always ask a question in our Facebook group. Would you like to interact with other like-minded parents? Maybe ask them or me a question about your child? If so, join the growing community of relational parents at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash relational parents.